in difficult times, people like to uh, like to follow a leader, right? That's what they need. They need comfort. They need someone who has assertiveness, who knows where he's going, who can take decisions, bold moves, and move forward. Right. That's what people look for during uncertain times. This is the One Day Podcast. My name is Omar Al-Majali, and each week I am bringing you some of the most accomplished and inspiring minds of the Middle East and the world to give you a glimpse of their professional life and pull back the curtain a bit on the real and untold story of their success to inspire you and help you learn from those who have walked the walk so you could move one day closer to your own goals. Hope you enjoy this episode. Hey there, everyone, and welcome. With us today is Michael Layani, the founder of one of the largest and most searched for online real estate marketplaces in the Middle East, that is Property Finder. If you live in Dubai like myself and have moved into and out of places, then you have probably used Property Finder to facilitate that or at least have heard of it. Property Finder was named the Arabian business startup SME of the year. SME Online Business of the Year and has been the winner of several awards in recent years, including the Frost & Sullivan Middle East Customer Value Award in addition to many others. And Michael, who's with us today, was also awarded Middle East CEO of the Year in 2016 by CEO Magazine. Congrats for that, Michael, and welcome. Thank you. Good to be here. It's great to have you here, man. Um, so the question I often like to kick off my episodes with, and it's the same question I ask all my guests, did you ever think that one day you would reach where you are today or you would accomplish what you had accomplished? So first of all, uh, the accomplishment, I think, on the business side is there. But when you talk about accomplishment, I hope I will accomplish a lot more throughout my life, right? Outside of business, I think the challenge with being an entrepreneur, it's so consuming that that's all you can do. I think no achievements happen ever by accident, right? You don't, uh, you don't end up on the top of a hill and say, oh, I never meant to climb that hill, right? So there's always an intent. Uh, so I always knew I was going to do something big, different, bold, and I was going to put all my heart and effort into it. Did I know that it was going to be at the scale that it is today? All honesty, no. Like, because it was hard back in 2005 to grasp the scale that technology was going to be able to give to a business. And I think all my peers, all the tech founders that have scaled, none of us imagined that it could get that big, to be honest. And I think that's the yeah. beauty of technology. And we have to thank the technology more than ourselves, really, for what we've achieved. So uh, yes to the first part, I know to the second part of your question. <laughs> Good enough. I mean, but if you've always had it in you, you've always, you know, knew that there's something big that you're going to be making, regardless of what exactly and how it's going to manifest. You just always felt that there's something that, you know, something big that Michael's going to do one day. So, and bold. Bold is an important word to be used here because I'm going to get to it at some point during our conversation. So uh, let's start with your move back in 2005. You were basically living in your home country, Switzerland, Geneva. You come to Dubai, you visit your uncle, and little did you know that this visit was literally going to be the start of your life and career um, here in Dubai, because fast forward 16 years, 16 years, right? You're still here as a founder and the CEO of one of the most prominent prop tech companies in the region. I'll leave you to tell the story on that and how you just decided to move your life here, essentially. 
So I had uh, returned to Switzerland after uh, studying in, in the U.S. I went to UCLA for my last year of college. And when I got back to Switzerland, for those who've been in Europe, I mean, it's a beautiful country, but 15 years ago, there was very little room for entrepreneurship in Europe. Mm. Um, and I always say in Switzerland, you're either a banker, a lawyer, or a doctor. And so yeah. when, I came, when I came to visit my uncle and he took me around the city and the Palm Island was being built, I remember us driving in four by four on one of the fronts, where, which had no houses. And, you know, they were throwing the sand in order to kind of build the front of the oh, palm. Man, that's crazy. And we were standing there and he said to me, hey, I bought the house that's going to be built here. And we were standing it's just like in the middle of the ocean Nowhere. on this little piece of land. And I thought, this, oh is, my God. this is bad, you know. And then, boom, off we drive and we end up in the MR sales center. And they were those little models, you know, actually pretty big models, but, you know, with, the, with the, all the towers and everything. There was models of the Burj Khalifa and the Dubai Mall and the whole downtown area and... I was looking at this and I said, wow, these people are, are nuts, right? I mean, if they, build, you know, if they build only a fraction of those towers, it's going to be a pretty amazing place. And so, you know, Dubai gave you that aspiration, a little bit of what the US used to do back in the day, yeah. give you that American dream feeling. And it felt like everything was possible. And coming from, you know, Switzerland, I was like, well, at least here I can dream big right. and I can, I can do something bold. I can take risks that might get rewarded one day. And so uh, I want to start something here. hundred percent. Like you wanted to probably grow with the city because the city was young. I mean, considerably everything has been built over the past. I mean, modern Dubai I'm talking about has been built over the past 20 years, 20, 25 years. So, um, so you saw that opportunity and you're like, so you moved essentially for Dubai. You did not move for any opportunity that you realized or, or, or wanted to tap into. You just wanted the city essentially, or want, you wanted anything to do with the city. Initially, I had a first business, which was a publishing business in equestrian sports, yeah. right? So yeah. they're big with horses here. And that's kind of what got me the foot in the door. And then quickly, when I saw all these mega projects of real estate being built, I thought to myself, well, you know, these properties are going to go at some point on the market to be either rented or resold, right? Mm. Uh, and so there's going to need to be a marketplace where, where this happens. And there's got to be a better way to do it than a newspaper supplement. Mm. And, and, and that's when I said, well, this is, let, me, let me have a crack at it. Right. And do you consider yourself to be a risk taker? Um, I mean, you literally have moved your life to Dubai. Um, was that an impulsive decision or was there a lot of thinking or you did your due diligence before you moved here or you were like, you know what? I mean, I see some kind of an opportunity, but I just, I love the city. I'm going to come here and I'm going to try my best to grow um, that idea. So I think uh, when you talk about risk, you, you got to take risk, right? Uh, but what's important is that you take the biggest risk early on in your career and then each big decision that you have then is a little bit less risky, right? Mm. And you take a little bit less risk. So th your first decision is the most bold and it's the most risky. So yeah, let's move to Dubai and let's do that. And then, yeah. and then your next decision needs to be a little bit less risky, a little bit less risky. And hopefully now today I'm taking less risk because I don't need to take the risk that I had to take in earlier in my, uh, in my career. But was it, you know, did I do a full-on market study and research and everything about uh, Dubai? No, there's, there's a lot of gut feeling and uh, there's a lot of, you know, uh, 
I don't want to call it intuition, but uh, uh, you like the place, it feels right, yeah. you meet the right people, and you're just happy. And so, you know, uh, if you're happy, then that's a good start. Big time. Maybe less risk, but um, bigger stakes today um, with, with where you are today. Um, exactly. So well, because the bigger the stakes, the, the smaller you want to take the risk, right? <laughs> exactly. So you start off the company for those who don't know the history so you start off the company as a printed classified real estate magazine right so called albab world so essentially um, your business model was that real estate brokers would come to you they would advertise in this print magazine and you would get you know you would get fees for that and you would give those magazines out for free to the public at what point did albab world become property finder and one other thing i want to talk about is the name change um, what mm -hmm. was the significance of Al-Bab World back then? Where did it come from? And what was the name change part of a rebranding process? Al-Bab World was more of a, the result of a lack of budget to acquire a decent domain name. <laughs> so <laughs> so we, we wanted albab.com, right? But it was too expensive. Mm. And so we had to add, you know, the, wor the word world to it because that was just one of the suggestions that internet gave us, you know? Albabnet, yeah. Albab uh, World, Albab something. <laughs> you know, they, they added something in order to make it more affordable because the yeah. Albab.com was out of my budget. And, um, and then Albab was, you know, the door, obviously, the door. And, 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 and meaning we wanted, it was a portal, right? There was always yeah. the idea of creating a portal. So we had mm. a magazine, but we always had a website because we knew that we would move to the online at some point. Ah. So Albab World was a print with an online version, right? So it, mm -hmm. even the magazine was called AlbabWorld.com on the title, mm. it was not called a bad world. And then, you know, two years in, I figured that it was uh, uh, a really bad brand, <laughs> um, mixing an Arabic and an English name together. Um, is, that, is that true? And uh, well, really, like it wasn't a great brand. I mean, uh. first of all, it's three words. It's a mix of Arabic and English. So, you know, you neither can really, you, you neither relate well to the Arabic people, uh. really well to the English speaking people. And how did we change the name? So when REA, which is uh, the News Corp subsidiary from Australia that invested into the business, I, when they invested into the business, suddenly I had a little bit of funding to, to do a proper branding. Yeah. And so I started to look into their portfolio of brands. And in, the, in Australia, they were called risty.com.au. Mm. But in the UK, they had propertyfinder.co.uk, which they own. Oh. And then I thought, wow, that's a cool brand. I like Property Finder. You know, you immediately know what it what it says. Yeah, yeah. And I started testing it here, and you know, the real estate agents were a lot of them were from England, and so a lot of them were like, yeah, Property Finder. We know Property Finder. So then I asked the group, mm. I said, what if what if I can I buy propertyfinder.ae and trademark it here? And they said, yeah, sure, you can. And so I did. And so. Initially, we only had the trademark here in the UAE. Later on, they closed down propertyfinder.co.uk. They sold it to Zoopla, which is a portal in the UK. And I ended up buying the domain propertyfinder.com oh, so from, from, from the founder of Zoopla. Um, so, so, so it took me a while to kind of be the only property finder on the globe. Initially, we were, we were, we were definitely more of a of a, you know, we took a brand that worked well elsewhere and, and replicated here. No, that's such a smart move. You literally spoke the language of brokers here, essentially, and agents. Um, and at the same time, yeah, property finder, you would tell anyone on the street, property finder, and they would figure out the, you know, what, what, what this business offers. Um, exactly. I'm fascinated by how people end up coming up with business names. So I had to ask that question. Sure. Uh, 
So back in the day, your biggest competition at some point when you were still not fully uh, operating as the property founder we know it uh, we know today um, your biggest competition was Gulf News right because they were advertising property and print and they were competing with you on price they were really pressuring you and instead of you giving up on on Albab World I think back then you decide to explore the opportunity deeper online right and you decided why not Um, although it wasn't mature back then, uh, but you're like, let's go online. Do you think that there's a lesson for entrepreneurs to pick up on here that's basically, you know, innovating versus giving up? When you're finding resistance in your growth, right? And we were head to head with a behemoth that was much yeah. larger than us at the time. Golf News was an institution. We were just some little uh, entrepreneurs coming to town. You know, fighting frontal is not going to get you anywhere. So you got to pivot and you got to find a different angle because we knew that the classified would move away or we knew we, uh, we, we, we had seen it in Europe and we could, right. we could see that there was a trend moving from print mm. to online. For me, it was obvious that it was only a matter of time until the audience would move to online. Would that take two years, five years, 10 years? That I didn't know, but I took a punt and I said, well, They've now identified us as their enemy number one. They've mm. now told all the, the advertisers and the brokers of the city that they can't advertise with that bad world. There's no way we're going to be able to beat them on the print. Mm. So let's rebrand, call it yeah. Property Finder, and let's go online. And, you know, we kind of disappear and reappear somewhere else. And they didn't, they didn't really link it. And, you know, we were too insignificant anyway for them to bother. And, uh, and online was not something that was uh, uh, in their rear mirror anyway. And so that enabled us to kind of build a product and audience and start uh, growing in the shade. And in their exclusivity agreement, right, which Golf News had with their customers, it says they can only publish with the publication of Alnasser Publishing. Alnasser was the, publishing of, uh, the publisher of uh, Golf yeah. News. And, and that meant that their exclusivity only applied to print, ah, not to so online. There was no chance right? they would tap into the online space. Yeah, yeah. So there was nothing written in that contract that, you know, this was for online. Uh, And so suddenly they're like, you know, probably like, yeah, you can go online. I mean, <laughs> online is irrelevant. It's what is this right. internet thing anyway? What, that's not going to work. <laughs> And that worked out for the best. Exactly. I hope people so, take uh, note of that. I mean, because you could have been like, you know, I'm out of this game, but you decided to, to pivot and redefine your business model. Yes, I was, I was fortunate. I was fortunate to get... Uh, to get an investment from News Corp, which gave me also uh, you know, a little bit of funding in order to continue and to hold all these years because mm. uh, you know, two years in, we were very close to bankruptcy. And, mm. uh, and had they not come and knocked on the door in order to come and invest into the company, we would have, uh, we would have folded. So we were fortunate that, they, that there was a strategic that wanted to enter the region uh, because there was no VC money at the time. Yeah. And so the only people that would invest would be a strategic because they knew the potential of the business mm. and um, a bit of luck. I always say, you know, success needs, uh, takes uh, hard work, dedication and, uh, and a little bit of luck on the season. A little bit of luck. Um, yes. <laughs> uh, and I'm going to get to funding in a bit. Hopefully, if we, if we have time, I'm going to talk about funding because you have an interesting um, view on that. Is there any like mantra or any sort of affirmation, any sort of self-talk that you give yourself, Michael, when things get tough? Um, and we could use the example of, the, you know, the pressure 
on you from Gulf News back then. What type of self-talk do you give yourself in your head and how do you snap out of that fear that could cripple you into, into action? When in tough times, I think one day at a time, right? And uh, every day is a, is a small battle that is won. And then the next day you start fresh and you go back at it. Uh, but I try to focus and, you know, and think of what will be, I try to visualize how I feel once I win, right? Mm. And what emotion that will generate inside me. And what is the image that comes to my mind when I close my eyes and I'm winning? What, what right. do I see? And yeah. I think of that. Mm. And, then, and then it's kind of a bit of a visualization exercise. And, uh, and it kind of works. <laughs> I love that, man. I'm big on meditation myself. I do a lot of visualization myself. So I appreciate yeah. that um, for sure. And I resonate with it. By the way, you'll find me jumping back and forth between business, professional, and personal questions. That's by design. I don't want our conversation to be strictly property finder. I really want people to get to know you for you and the kind of the person behind the brand. So you've studied finance, you started your career with consulting, then you go into publishing and ended up founding you know, one of the largest online real estate portals in the region. Not a typical career trajectory for someone who studied finance. So is it fair to say that you're someone who is opportunity and growth driven versus someone who is traditional and they're thinking um, who feel like they should just stick to one career and, 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 and pursue that? Yeah, I think I studied business. Uh, there was a specialization in finance, but I always had a passion for business. So mm. when I was a kid, you know, my mom even recalled and telling me when I, was, when I was eight years old saying I want to be a businessman. So I always had that passion for right. creating value uh, mm. out of business. Is there a study that can bring you to entrepreneurship? Not really. I think uh, the, best, the best thing is passion. Uh, have passion for what you do. So, so do what you love. Follow your right. heart. Mm. And, uh, and if you do something that you love, you'll be good at it. Uh, it's very hard to be good at something that you don't like. Talking about academics, I always say, you know, uh, there, isn't some, there isn't a right path. The right path is the path that makes you happy, right? Mm. Uh, it's, the, it's the one that you enjoy the most to listen to yourself. I think what we, what we uh, lose a lot with all these kind of influence from outside is, you know, you need to be doing this, you need to be studying that, you need to be going to that school. And you tend to not listen to, to yourself. 100%. And you know more about what is right for you. So uh, yes, there is a framework to, to, to follow, yeah. but uh, try to always listen to yourself, I say. I completely argue with that. And I think you just answered the, the second question I wanted to ask you, which is what, what advice would you give like young adults who yeah. are either starting their academic or professional careers and are stressing so much about the decisions they're taking in regards of the concentrations? But I think it's follow your passion. And, and that's something, man, I completely, completely resonate with. We also, by the way, share similar career paths. I studied finance ended up in consulting and now I'm, you know, working for a government entity in the smart city space. And it just felt organic for me to, to, to change paths. Uh, mm -hmm. And the biggest advice I always give um, college kids or my younger cousins who are about to start their academic careers is to not put so much pressure on themselves when it comes to choosing a concentration, because it, it is inevitable that they're going to change down the line and their preferences and passions are going to change. And they need to kind of be agile with that and be willing and open to the process to pivot at any point they feel it's right. The issue is that a lot of my friends, for example, they feel that they should stick to one career because they feel like they've invested so much time and money in and education, for example, the lawyers out there, that they should just stick to it, which is mm -hmm. wrong. I feel like, the, you know, look at your education as a sunk cost 
um, at any point you feel like it's not aligned with what you want to do and, and just pivot and change. Yeah, never stay in something that you're unhappy. I mean, that can't yield anything good. 100%. I want to talk about the period between 2007 and 2010 for Property Finder. There's a lot that happened there. And I kind of want to zoom into that. So in 2007, this Australian investor, a digital advertising agency investor that you had just uh, mentioned, acquires 51% of the company's shares. It puts you at minority shareholder. Then a few years after that, the, the financial crisis hits. And I think this Australian investor, they reshift focus or priorities. And then around or mid financial crisis, you buy back your shares, right? which I think is a very bold move, given that one, there's a financial crisis, and two, you could argue that the real estate market was one of those sectors that w w was hit the hardest. So again, there's another opportunity for you to exit, peace out, and just be like, this was, this was uh, good. But no, you decided to buy back your shares and gain power. Talk to me about that thought process and what were you thinking? So when the global financial crisis exploded, right? Um, for three months, we thought that we were going to be immune in Dubai, you know, oh, Dubai is in a bubble, it's going to be immune. And, you know, everything happens a little bit with a, with a hello effect here. It takes, it yeah. takes a bit of time to reach, but it, it, it reaches, <laughs> it, it reaches potentially. And then you had, you know, a lot of people leaving and there was, I think the media inflated it a lot, right? Mm. Uh, you know, those articles, we've all remembered the article about leaving people fleeing, leaving their cars at the airport. That was, oh, something so that's, that, you know, that was I exaggerated. Think, um, look, there was probably a few guys who came in town and few recent agents that came in town for a quick buck and, you know, uh, couldn't afford to pay their next uh, payment and preferred to leave and left the car at the airport for sure. But when I looked around me and the people that had real job, real economy, and that were serious, they were there to stay. And a lot of people asked me, so, I mean, it was a bold move. How did you make that decision? Yeah. And I say, well, I had different data than most people have. I had different data than the Australian, and I had different data than also one of my co-founders who was sitting in Switzerland. Mm. I was in Dubai, and my data was, you know, I was 29 years old then. What do you do in Dubai? You know, even if there's a crisis, what do you do in the weekends? You go out, right? That's what we yeah. do in Dubai. And when you yeah. go out, what do you see? You see people out, you Spending. see places happening, buzzing. Yeah. And you're like, that really doesn't match what I'm reading in the paper. Like, I mean, bottles of champagne are still flying through the club. And, <laughs> and, and you know, it's like, yeah. it's like there's, there's no crisis here. What is it talking about? So, it's true. I mean, That's yes, true. of course, the prices went down, but like there was a decent economy and the economy was there to stay. Also, the infrastructure was, that was in place was not going to go away, right? I mean, they had started building the metro and the highways and RT was doing some amazing job and Emirates and, and all the benefits of Dubai being a central place in the globe and all of that. So I said, well, you know, I really think Dubai will rebound and I don't think that uh, this is the end of it. I don't, I can't, the Australians weren't too keen to stay in, in the region and um, I made an offer to them. I made a first offer, which was a little bit aggressive because I offered them a, a, a symbolic dollar, <laughs> which didn't go down too well. Um, but at least it set the expectation, <laughs> yeah. right? And then, and then we ended up trading at a, at, a, at a price that was a couple of pennies on the dollar. Uh, it was obviously the middle of the financial crisis, so they were not going to get uh, uh, much out of it. Right. And, um, and yeah, and then we stuck it up through and 
you know, kept it tight until it rebounded. And eventually the economy uh, came back much faster than what everybody thought. A little bit exactly. like what happened now in COVID, right? I mean, everybody yes. in COVID thought, oh my God, it's the end of the world. You know, fast forward, you know, yeah. nine months and, and you've got a roaring economy. And that's, you know, that's the story of Dubai, you know, hit it me and I'll get up city, yeah. stronger and, and, and faster. So, yeah, that's what happened. That's something like what you were talking about, people talking about a financial, uh, financial crisis and you would go out and restaurants are full and that's something that we, we lived through this year. It's kind of similarly. Uh, but yeah. just like you said, I mean, you take this bold decision, you acquire the shares back and they pay off big time because you snap out of the, the, the financial crisis or you weather the financial crisis and you come out on the other side, a much stronger company, right? Like in a few years, you're winning regional awards left, right and center. You're operating in six markets like Qatar, Egypt, Bahrain, Morocco. I guess I'm going to ask you the obvious question here is like, how are you able to do that? Like, what would you attribute the resilience of Property Finder to? And my other question is, why is it that certain companies really thrive during the crisis? I mean, we know the example of how Uber started in the financial crisis, how Netflix thrived during that period in 2008. Is there an overarching theme? Any reason? Is it industry-based? Is it, does it have to do with leadership? What's your view on that? I think there's a bigger purpose in a crisis, right? So you're able to rally the teams uh, on a mission and people are fully engaged uh, because there's less distraction outside, right? There's less opportunities outside. And so people in, in, in difficult times, people like to, uh, like to follow a leader, right? That's what they need. They need comfort. They need someone who has assertiveness, who knows where he's going, who can take decisions, bold moves, and move forward. Right. That's what people look for during uncertain times. Right. Mm. And so if you can lay down a plan that sounds exciting and realistic enough, people will follow you. Right. People yeah. like to follow uh, uh, bold ideas in those times. Uh, so I think that's one of it. The second part of the resilience was that my business model was proven. I looked at REA Group, which is in Australia, which was a publicly listed company. And in 2007, when they came into my, my, my cap table, they were already doing just in Australia $100 million of revenue. Today they're doing you know, $700 million of revenue. But oh, back then they did $100 million of revenue with a 40% EBITDA margin. So I was like, wow, this is an amazing business model. Like if it doesn't, a country of 25 million population like Australia, $100 million and it, 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 it's, it's a startup. It was still a startup yeah. and it's already doing 40% EBITDA margin. I want to understand what's this model. So I had the confidence that it was worth the while, that at right. some point, if I was able to build the number one online brand, online destination in a country where real estate was the national sport, yeah. then it's got to be worth something, right? 100%. So, so, so that determination, I never doubted that it was going to be worthwhile. Yeah. When people said, did you know that you were going to reach such valuation? Yes, I did. Once. Once I started that journey, I knew we were going to get there. You must have been a big, big believer in the vision and where you were going with this. So you seem to be a very passionate and driven person and, and you kind of persevere. Where do you get that from? Is that something that you've always had in you as a kid? Is that, some, is that a muscle that you had to practice over time? You know, where, where, did, where did that come from? Oh, I think I'm a bit of a dreamer. I like, uh, I like to dream. I'm an optimistic. I like people. 
I'm a happy person in, in, in general. I'm high energy, as you can see. Usually, I like to set my eyes on a specific goal and then build a team around me and get there and share the benefits of all this uh, value creation that we're, uh, that we're doing. So uh, Nice. Yeah. Cool. And I want to talk about um, productivity for a bit. There's this, what I'm calling the one day uh, toolbox um, that I'm building for my listeners from all the guests that I'm interviewing by asking a question around productivity, um, just because I'm curious mm -hmm. about the different strategies that people have around that. What is that one tool that helps you become more productive or more focused at work? And it could be anything. It could be a software, a tool, a ritual. Uh, it could be anything that really gets you in the zone. So I'm uh, very diligent with my sports. Mm. I will do sports, uh, you know, five to six times a, a week. What sports? Uh, I'll do all kinds of things, right? Uh, I'll... Uh, like many people, I'll go to the gym, but then I'll train for a marathon and then I'll say, well, let me try a triathlon. And so I train for triathlons and then, you know, I like skiing. I grew up in Switzerland, so I love going skiing. I love water sports. So anything yeah. that is that, that I can have fun, you know, I'll take a, a motorcycle down in the desert and go over the dunes uh, with some friends. So sports is, is something that is a must uh, in order yeah. to evade a little bit. It's the only moment mm. where you, where I can really kind of uh, uh, turn my, my, my mind off uh, work. Um, and then the second thing I'm pretty diligent about is my sleep. You know, eight hours of sleep is, uh, is something that I cherish and uh, I am very careful. And if I, sometimes you can't because, you know, you've got a lot on your mind or you're yeah. traveling uh, I make sure to catch up with that, right? Yeah. So uh, not to build, you know, debt, uh, sleep debt. Um, yeah. And so I, I think that if you sleep and if you work out and add to that, uh, you know, decent, healthy food. Right. I, de decent. I say decent because I'm not a crazy about healthy food. I eat healthy, but like I'll, I'll, I'll have a burger and a night out like all of us, yeah. right? So you balance it out. Um, balance it out yes but uh that's the that's the discipline it goes for you sleep is a big thing i can never get around uh finding the hours to sleep i don't know why <laughs> i've tried several strategies but none of them have worked but still still working on it you need to have a peaceful you need to be at peace in your mind in order to be able to sleep those long hours and sometimes it's not possible right so uh yeah. but 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 finding that sleep is important i mean i've uh, it's it's getting harder. I, I recently uh, became a father. Oh, congrats, man! That's Thank you. Awesome. And with a with, with a one month old little baby girl at home, sleep is, is 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 is, uh, is is changing a little bit. <laughs> it's a resource uh, but, that I miss. <laughs> but uh, but it's a short period, yeah. and it's compensated with joy and happiness and love. Of so so all of awesome that kind of uh, adds up. Thank you. That's that's great, man. Yeah, I mean, uh, good luck. I, I've seen how much my brother struggled with, um, and his <laughs> wife obviously with their babies. But no, I mean, it's a very fulfilling process. So it would it would it, it compensates big time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Only only good things I have to say. Okay, so good to know that you use sport as a way to kind of sweat off all the pressure from work and all that stuff. Maybe one more theme that I want to cover before we wrap up the conversation with my three conclusive questions. I want to talk about something that is often 
majorly, majorly overlooked by businesses and corporations is the workplace, like the actual interior design, the actual environment of the workplace of the office that you're in. And that's something that you guys are doing an amazing job and I, I watched a YouTube video um, that was showcasing your offices and you guys have incredible offices a lot of open space greenery everywhere you're, and you're first greeted with Swiss chalet vibes when you first enter the office which is pretty cool and I'm someone who cares so much about where I work like I'm grateful that my current workplace kind of has similar vibes and and these things matter significantly to me. And, but why was it so important to you? And that's something you emphasize in the video. Why, is it, why was it so important for you to, um, to achieve that environment? And did you intend for it to impact your culture in any way? In building a business, the most important aspect is attracting the right people, attracting yes. talent. And, um, and talent have, you know, the top talents have choice. And mm. the top talents want to work with people who are going to take care of them. Yeah. And, you know, you can tell somebody I'm going to take care of you a million times. Mm. But the best way to tell him that you're going to take care of him is if he comes to your office and he sees a beautiful office and he says, mm -hmm. wow, this is, you know, I can see that this company is investing in its people and it's in, in the wellness of their people because, yeah. you know, there is, there is lounge area, there is a barista, there is greenery. It's a, it's a, pleasant, it's a pleasant place to be. And, you know, it's, uh, I didn't invent it. I took a page off the Google, uh, obviously, uh, they were the first one to do that and say, you know, if you, the more, the more comfort you give up at, at your people at work, the longer they'll stay at work, the more they'll mingle with people at work. Agreed. And, um, and, and so for me, it was very important to, uh, also create a company culture, right? To differentiate mm -hmm. ourselves. And, um, I was fortunate that when we expanded the office, we were in a, in a year of growth, right? And we were overachieving our target. So I had a little bit of uh, leftover in my, in my banks okay. and of my budget. Yeah. And I said, what do I do with it, right? I can hire more people. I can spend it in marketing. I can do this. What did I do? I said, yeah. no, I'm going to double down the budget on the fit out of the office. Nice. And, and I think it was one of the best decisions we've made because to date, people, you know, are noticing it. You're mentioning yes. it right now. That means yeah. that you notice it. Uh, it was very important also to take the right designers that would do something different, right? I didn't want uh, the look and feel of a, just another uh, office. I wanted yeah. something that people would leave and say, wow, that was a cool place. Like yes. I, that was unexpected. Um, so that's the reason we, 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 we build these offices and we continue to kind of uh, invest in it and, uh, and, 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 and trying to do the same thing in some of our international location as well. A lot of implicit benefits with that. I'll tell you from the from an employee side, it makes a huge, huge difference because I currently work for Smart Dubai, and uh, I remember a few years ago when I got the opportunity. I, you have very I, cool I, offices as well at Smart Dubai. They have amazing offices, and I didn't know Smart I mean, Dubai I came back. <laughs> I came to visit them. I came to see them, and I was like, "Wow, that's a Dubai government office." I think yeah. <laughs> I think they're. It, it, it felt like a startup, a we workplace or something like uh, yeah. it, it didn't feel at all like a, like a government, not at all, uh, not governmental at all. Uh, building. Not at all. And when I first went for my interview, I didn't know much about them. But when I saw their offices, I'm like, I'm coming here because just like you said, I mean, these people are investing in the workplace and in the environment and in the offices. It must mean that, they, you know, these people care. Um, and yes. I'm someone who values that so much because as a consultant, trust me, I've seen a lot of client sites all over the region and I've seen terrible ones and it affects you. It affects yeah. your morale and motivation and everything. So, so I really wanted yeah. to touch on that theme. 
Yeah, and you know, like I said, culture is something that is hard. It's, it's intangible. A culture. Yes, exactly. Right? And exactly. so, the, the most tangible part of the culture, the, it, it's it's the office, right? Yeah. That's the skin of the culture. You know, I always say the business card of a restaurant is their restrooms. Yes, 100%. right. If, if if you're in a restaurant and you go to the restroom and they don't have nice restrooms, <laughs> and it tells you that you know. And Dubai got that well, right? All their restaurants have like top-notch. Top-notch, uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> right? And even even in the mall. So I, I exactly. say, you know, it's on those little details yeah. that, you, uh, that you see uh, the difference. And it matters. It really, really does. Um, there's a lot that I wanted to touch on and some themes that I wanted to explore with you, but I'm conscious of your time and I'm respectful of that. So, um, so what I want to do is, you know, with every guest, I typically end the episode with three quick questions because again, I'm curious as to, you know, what different answers I get from accomplished guests like yourself. So question number one is what tip or advice would you give your younger self, like the 20 year old Michael, who's about to enter the professional world? Less is more. And what I mean by that is two, two ways. I would say one is higher, less, but higher, better. Right. Mm. So it's, you know, there's a little bit of a drive when you talk to entrepreneurs and, you know, we, everybody is born with an ego, right? We all have yeah. an ego. Yeah. And, but when you're young, you, you tend to have a bigger one, right? And, yes. or, or let's say you hide it less, right? Yeah. <laughs> and there's this thing when you start the business, it's like, oh, how many employees do you have? Oh, 50 people working for me, or oh, then 30 people, uh, and then you reach 100 people, right? And yeah. it's really the wrong KPI, right? It's really, you, you know, it's not something you should be proud of. Growing your number of, especially in a world of technology, right? Growing yeah. the number of, of, of employees is, is, not, a, is, not, is yeah. not a sign of success, yeah. right? That's, that's one. Um, and I think, you know, I, so hire less, but hire better people, right? Mm. Uh, invest and be willing to pay, you know, uh, um, early on. I always, we always paid, you know, above market price at Property Finder, but earlier on, bring in people that will step change the business, right? Yes, their infrastructure um, essentially. In the same way, less is more. Don't go and expand in so many markets, like to plant a flag, right? There's there's, there's, there's really no point in going in like eight different markets, yeah, right? Because yeah. it's going to be really tough. Um, international expansion is way harder than what anybody can think of, right? Yes. And when you're young, you're, you're, you think that you can do everything and yeah. that you can manage uh, your business in multiple countries, multiple language, multiple currency and, and, and regulation it gets really, really, really complicated, yeah, right? And, you know, we've had, we've had to backtrack um, and close down two markets that, you know, we're just not going to move the needle uh, right. for the group, uh, which was Morocco and Lebanon. And um, so maybe what I would say to myself is, you know, pick less markets, but more meaningful markets. It's not mm. the number of markets that you're in that matters. It's the size of the market that you're in that matters. Right? So less is more. Less is, get more. It. Less is more. Uh, and I'm curious, mm -hmm. just very quickly, uh, do you typically hire for skill or do you hire for attitude or a hybrid? Um, so in the early on days, it's really all about attitude, right? right. Because, uh, you know, if you have the right attitude and smart people, you know, in the early on startup, like yeah. if somebody has been to university, he probably has the skill to do pretty much any job in a startup. Yeah. Uh, but as you skill and as you grow, um, you have to hire more for skills and experience. Yeah. And, and 
and try not to compromise on the attitude, right? And that's where sometimes culture gets lost. It's because, you know, if you want to keep the purity of your culture, then you can't attract the right people. So you got to deviate a little bit and, and, and dilute a little bit your culture in order to be able to attract those skilled people. Mm. And it's, it's a fine balance between fine the two. Balance. You don't want to go too far out, right? Amazing. A lot of nuggets to pick up on here. Second, the second question, second to last question, that is from your experience, what is the one tip would you give a person to help them get one day closer to that goal, to that dream, to that passion, that project, whatever it is, you know, we all have that one day aspiration. We keep putting it off. You know, what is that one tip that has helped you really get that one day to day one, essentially? Say the people that you're, everybody is, hundred percent in control of their life. Yeah. Right. We love to say that we're not, but we are. Right. Not everyone and recognizes every, that. Yeah. Right. And 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 every day that we wake up, we can make a decision. Um, yes, it's a decision that you know might uh, be difficult to take, might please people, hurt others, but you're hundred percent in control of your life, and mm. um, it, it and and you have to realize this. Do you, cannot be a victim of the situation yeah. that you're in mm. and if you victimize yourself then you're never going to be able to achieve that goal that you want to set for yourself one day so um get, take control of it and uh, and move on i love that i really 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 do because a lot of people don't recognize that um so i just you know get on the driver's seat finally the one last question um i want to ask is what is you know, what is that one thing that Michael still wishes to accomplish one day? And you could start the sentence with one day I would like to dot, 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 or one day, one day I hope I could anything. could be anything. So one day I hope I can uh, build a network effect, right? The way I've done in the business world, but that will have uh, impact on humanity. Um, and something that will have a social impact, something that will impact lives. Yeah. Um, and not in a, not in a charitable way because charity is finite. Uh, it works while you give money and when you stop giving money, it stops working. Yeah. And there's, there isn't a charity. I mean, few are charities that last through generations, right? Yeah. And, um, and if you look at the network effect, and when I talk the network effect, it's this powerful effect of a marketplace, which is beautiful, where yeah. everybody that participates in the marketplace is yeah, winning. The users that come find the listings, the brokers that advertise get leads, the employees that work on it are, are, are getting a lot of value out of it. So everybody wins, right? And yeah. so I'd love to be able to create that beautiful network effect. Uh, for a humanitarian cause and, uh, and and something that could continue to grow um, the day I'm no longer on this earth. Wow, man, beautiful. What an awesome way to, to end this conversation. That's incredible. Michael, thanks so much for your time and for the great value you brought in today. Seriously, this was awesome. Where can people follow you or follow the work of Property Finder? Um, are you on social media? Yes, we're on social uh, media. We're on Instagram. I personally am not a big uh, uh, Instagrammer. Uh, <laughs> I, I have social media, but in a very private, uh, in a very private yeah. way. We've got you know our Instagram pages and LinkedIn yeah. pages and, and Facebook pages. And otherwise, uh, you know, uh, anyone that wants to reach out, I'm I'm here in Dubai, and 
a lot of people know how to reach me and they can reach you to to reach me if needed Very so accessible. Uh, always, yes yes always 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 happy to give a hand or uh, or, or or help the community out here you really do, man. You were very generous to to um, to take the time for this conversation. I appreciate you, and I won't take much of your time. Um, again, Thank congrats you, for your baby, and honestly, man, uh, pleasure pleasure to 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 meet you and get to talk to you. Same here, and good luck with your with your podcast. Thanks, and uh, I'm delighted, and I will be following it. Thanks, you take man. care. I really hope so. I really cheers, man. I really enjoyed it. Bye bye. All the Me best. Too. Take care. Have a great one. I hope you enjoyed this episode and that you were able to pick up a thing or two that could help you in business or life. If you would like to hear more conversations like these and you're not yet a subscriber, go ahead and subscribe through your preferred podcast platform and follow us on Instagram at oneday.thepodcast and you could reach me on my personal Instagram account at omajali. And last but not least, if you prefer to watch the full episode on video, then you can do so on our YouTube channel one day the podcast till next time